I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. I'm here today with Elena Kanicki, virtual dietitian for weightlifting women who want to improve their relationship with food and fitness. Through her own journey to food freedom after a six-year-long restrictive relationship with food and fitness leading to binging, loss of period, and anxiety around food, among other things, Elena developed a passion for helping other women overcome similar struggles. Elena now offers one-on-one coaching to women around the world. Her specialty is helping women break the restrictive binge cycle and can get their periods back naturally so they can feel balanced around food and fitness for life. Welcome to today's episode. Can you share where we can find you on social and anything I left out on that little introduction? Yeah, so thank you for having me. My social handle is weight.lifting.nutritionist, and I think the bio really covers it in terms of my work life. Yeah, great. I'm really happy to have you back on and share your story and inspire all of our colleagues. So thanks for making time. When you were first on this podcast, uh, we chatted about how you were still in your internship when you started my group coaching program. Can you talk about what's changed since then, meaning since when you were in your internship to now being a dietitian for however many months that you, after you passed the exam, how many months has it been now, like four or five, something like that? I started working with you and became LLC in July when I was still in my internship, like we talked about. And then August, I took my exam and became an RD end of August. So I don't know how many months that is. Almost a year, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's almost a year. Yeah. So it's actually been a little bit, a little while. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, so how things have changed. I mean, in July in my internship, I remember like when we first spoke, you were like, okay, you need to start putting a link in your bio <laughs> to direct people to, to your services. And this was like, I had, I had an Instagram, but I wasn't really even thinking it was possible to market my services. Like this was before I really knew about all this stuff. And I was like, that's, I didn't even know this was possible. But then once I started doing that, you know, I got my first client, I think maybe it was in September or something like that. And then was kind of chugging along, you know, getting my, my footing as a new RD and business owner online. And now the last forward to now, I'm like doing big things. I have like 16 clients now have surpassed my sales goals that I set originally. So feeling good. Incredible. We're going to break that down. Are you comfortable sharing the amount of revenue you make on a, per month? Yeah. So right now in total, I'm passing 5k this month. Incredible, Elena. Absolutely incredible. And are you comfortable sharing how old you are? Yeah, I'm 23. 23 years old, $5,000 under one year being a registered dietitian. Incredible. You are like my ideal client who I want to <laughs> I want to help young women like escape clinical, leave clinical, skip clinical, because you just like Elena can do this. So we're going to break down your story and make sure to listen to Elena's first episode to hear her journey from when she was in the group program during your dietetic internship and how fast you've been able to progress doing what you love. 
by Mm -hmm. content, right? By making better content that attracts the right type of person that's in alignment with your philosophy and ethics and be able to serve them in the way that you want. Yeah, it's really been all about the content. Incredible. So what helped you get clear? Talk to us about your evolution with your niche and your ideal client and some of the clarity that you've had with um, getting to where you are now, which has resulted in a 5k plus month. Mm -hmm. Clarity with my ideal client was definitely like the biggest struggle for me, I would say. But I think it's kind of the more I learn about this process, that's kind of the case for everybody because that really is the crux of making good content that attracts leads is being super clear on your ideal client. And I think there was a lot of times where I thought I was clear, but I really wasn't. So in the beginning, you know, which is normal, I was progressively getting clearer, especially like as we were working through the group program. But as I continued to pay attention to that and really not only do market research, but really just come back to constantly coming back to my draft of like my ideal client avatar, which if you're a podcast guest, you're not aware of what that is. It's just like, really drafting out who exactly your idle client is, like down to their income, their job, you know, what they do for fun, everything about them. And the more I came back to that and just revisited it, yes, did market research, posted things that I thought were in alignment with that idle client, but then even revisited my posts and was like, is this truly in alignment with who she is? How would she feel when she looks at this content? The more I just paid attention to that and got really, really clear on that, that's when, you know, things really up-leveled in my business when I finally started making breakthroughs and feeling like I was very, very, very clear on who she is. And what helped you get to that point just to give some tangible steps for the listeners who, again, they're they're not. You know, like I said, market research was helpful, which for me, that looked like following similar, for instance, following similar accounts in my niche and looking at posts that they're posting that seem to be hitting on problems that my, I know my idol client needs solved. And then kind of looking in, in the comments, seeing what people are saying, starting to understand the wording that my idol client uses and using the, that in my posts, that was helpful. But I would say like in the beginning, I was doing market research for somebody who wasn't actually my idol client. So that's why I feel like me going back to who exactly she even is, even before I go and do the market research on her was the most important. So when I started like daily, weekly, like I said, revisiting that ideal client profile and just almost like a journal prompt, but not really just like really thinking over who she is and then thinking, how is this going to translate to my content and looking like at my, for instance, last seven days of content and saying, okay, based on this person and really get in the zone of like, okay, who is she? What are her hopes and dreams? What does she really want? And then what does she need? Um, and then looking at my content and, and, and looking at like the last seven days and saying, okay, when I look at these posts, knowing what I know about her and her hopes and dreams and what she wants, would she get excited by looking at this? Would this make her want to reach out to me and want to buy from me? And as I just kept doing that, that's when I really saw breakthroughs, especially in terms of like income and reach on Instagram. That's when I really saw a difference. So let's talk a little bit more in depth about your process with content. Thank you for the overview. I wrote down here from our last coaching session that it used to take you an hour for content (laughs) now it takes you 30 minutes um also uh captions take you 11 minutes and you they used to take me 30 for one yep and uh you use less words in your post where you use your journal to write words on it to relate to your market can you talk about how you've been able to save time but make more money in order to help the women that you want to serve Yeah, I think one of the biggest things with saving, I actually, there's two different big pieces with saving time. So 
One of them was making my content simpler, which you know is my biggest issue. <laughs> Such an issue for me. And I think I'm definitely not alone, actually. I know I'm not alone. And I know it's like a, it's definitely a thing for a lot of us dietitians. I think we just want to, maybe it's a perfectionist thing. Maybe it's like our knowledge, but we just want to put everything in the actual picture itself. And for me, it's just like a really, it's something I constantly have to keep in check is overcomplicating everything. So I think that was a big one. And, you know, getting simpler with my content in terms of like, literally, like you said, putting less words. Cause I do mostly, I have like these journal quote photos. If anyone follows me or like these infographic style posts. And the more I was like, okay, I need to just put parameters on this, like limit. I remember you told me like Elena, seven words, you can only put seven words. Like I have to keep this in check so heavily because it's just, I know this is a tendency that I have. So I think that was one way to kind of take less time was to just simplify the post itself. And just, like I said, focus on what she wants to hear and then just keep the message very, very short. I think that was helpful for me. But another thing that was really helpful for saving time was repeating the posts that did well from, cause I create content week to week. So you know, I, I create my content on one day of the week and I'm based it off of what posts did well the week before. So, whereas before I would be constantly having like these ideas of posts that like I have like a long list of ideas of posts, which is fine. But every week I would be trying to reinvent the wheel with new content that was like, okay, well I have this idea and I have this idea. But when I really just broke it down, I was like, okay, these posts are getting me discovery calls. They're getting me sales. They're doing well. Why would I reinvent the wheel when I already know that this is helpful? So I literally just take, say, like now I'm posting twice a day. So say I have like my top seven posts for last week. I literally just try to recreate those and like actually repeat them. So this was a big issue with that me and you had to work through was I thought repeating was like basically still creating a new post, like taking maybe the same, the journal quote, but then like changing everything on the journal. No, that's not repeating. Repeating is literally almost posting the same thing, just with minor, minor, minor tweaks. And once I started doing that, that really cut down on time. And, you know, the fear of being repetitive, yada, yada, everybody has that fear. But you've taught me, and like now I've seen it for myself, that, you know, people want you to repeat what you're saying to them because people need to be reminded of the same things. They want to hear the same thing because this is what's going to help them. And it helps, you know, it helps to hear the same thing over and over again. So repetition is how we learn, right? So if we go back to like your hardest course in dietetics, maybe it was statistics, organic chemistry, something like that. How many times did you have to study those same concepts, those same formulas, right? In Mm -hmm. order to get it. And it's no different than how your ideal client is processing the information that you're delivering. So I think of the way that Elena and I are having this conversation is just a deeper level of niching down. So niching down, all my clients are scared. Oh, you know, it's too specific. I'm going to alienate people, although that's good marketing. Good marketing is talking to one person with one specific problem. And I happen to be good at helping you do that in a way that you specialize, right? I believe in that. Mm-hmm. And another deeper version of that is exactly what Elena's talking about is taking a, a version of your content in a, another iteration of that content remaking it to say the same thing with a slight variation, but you can only do that if you've already, if you already have um, clarity that the problem you're solving is what yeah. it wants. So this is, this conversation is a deeper level, which is good. So you listeners can see it gets easier. Once you can understand that you are solving the problem and you're relating to the biggest pain point, the biggest pain that your ideal client struggles with, then this process becomes really 
seamless. And sure, there are some internal struggles we have about fear, right? We fear yeah. to down and we fear to create content that's similar to our previous content, but that's what your market wants to see. And that's what gets Elena sales calls, right? So do you have any, yeah. any kind of, I don't know, maybe personal or emotional reflections about this process you want to share about how resistive you were to do this or um, why yeah. it's a struggle for you? And, and it's, it's beautiful that you can say, I, I nailed it. I'm saving time now, but let's take a moment to explain a scenario to the listeners to, to help them understand how hard that was. Yeah. Well, first of all, it took months literally for me to, and it was like hacking away week by week. Like it would get a little simpler, but it was still way too overcomplicated. And then I would get a little simpler. It wasn't like all of a sudden one week to the next, it was simpler. And I think, like you said, it's all really about fear, like the fear of repetition, you know, boring people, the fear that, this is not actually going to work and people are just going to get bored of my content and then I'm not going to make sales. And then like with simplifying the actual post itself and the words that I'm using on the post, it was the fear that either, yeah, like I'm not being inclusive enough or I'm not, you know, mentioning every single pain point my idol client has in this one post, which like you don't need to do that in the picture. First of all, like first of all, no one's going to read that. Second of all, that's why you have a 2200 character caption to talk about more of the nuances. So I think it was just a lot of fear and that just, you know, contributed to a lot of mental blocks around when I would, cause sometimes I would spend a lot of time just trying to simplify it. Like it wasn't like all of a sudden it was easy to simplify it. And I went from an hour to 30 minutes at first, it almost took me longer to take my long ass post that I was going to post and be like, okay, how am I going to cut this down to like five or, or seven words? And sometimes that would take me a long time. And for a while, you know, content would actually take longer. But then as I perfected that, now I got to a place where it goes from an hour for me to plan content to, to now like 30 minutes. So I would say it was not a seamless or easy process at all. And what do you think was the main catalyst to help you identify that process? Was it just looking at your content critically, reviewing it? Like what, what was there something specifically? I guess I'm looking for a tangible tip for the listeners because people don't even realize they're doing this, which is why I'm glad we're talking about it. I know something that we constantly talk about and Elena is not alone. Um, yeah, 90, 95% of the dietitians I work with overcomplicate their content, including myself. Mm-hmm. And I've had to work at myself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, I mean, definitely you were a big catalyst because I, you helped me to see, you know, this is way too overcomplicated. And I think that was part of it. But I would say in terms of like a tangible tip that was helpful for me was like really just to create those boundaries with myself and say like, you can only like really, even if. And erring on the side of me thinking it's too simple. I know that I think if I think it's too simple, especially in the beginning, that means it's probably perfect. <laughs> so like, you know, I remember there was times where you were just like, okay, can you just break it down to like these four words? And I was like, no, but that doesn't make any sense. No one's going to get it. But like me doing that and thinking, oh, this is too basic. Like no one's going to understand this. That was actually a positive. That was like a move in the right direction. And it basically, if I think it's too simple, that means perfect perfectly simple enough so I would say yeah I would say definitely just kind of experimenting with stepping out of your comfort zone and limiting yourself to maybe like x number of words and if you feel uncomfortable and you have this tendency to over complicate which many of us do then feeling uncomfortable is probably a good thing because it means you're probably simplifying it in a good way I love that and I think this all goes back to it's about them not you so you think yeah. you make it complicating. Your ideal client wants something simple. So the what you know, like 
it's really all about making it for them. And you have the ability yeah. to step back, think about that, and each week make a better version of your previous week to not only streamline the process for you, but to help reach more people and in turn make more income because they're applying to work with you. And then you've honed in on your sales skills to be able to close them and turn them into clients. So it's yeah. really amazing, you know, and, and I, I do want to say you don't have a website, right? No. So, so Elena is making 5,000 a month with no website. You just have an, an EMR practice better where they can schedule um, sales call. And then you're using just social media marketing, Instagram to get the people that you want. And you do work with the people you want, right? You're attracting. The right oh yeah. Them. Yeah. That's been a big change as well is like in the beginning I would have kind of, cause my niche is like falls under the food freedom umbrella, but it's like a little, just more niche down in, in that area. So before I was attracting people, you know, with all different types of, you know, disordered eating issues with food. And that was good. That was fine. You know, that helped me get experience and I could still help those people. But now I'm like getting my ideal client, you know, a woman who binge eats, doesn't have a period unless she's on the pill and is a, a, a lifter and into fitness. And like, that is golden for me because you just enjoy it so much more when you're working with the exact person you want to work with. Absolutely. And then I would also argue with your testimonials and the wins that you share, it's easier to market. Your marketing is streamlined because you're sharing that story and that dialogue of that specific woman who lifts weights looking for yeah. freedom. And then it, it becomes a community. You've really created that in the content on your feed that you post and in your stories, just everything you're doing. Yeah. Wonderful. Definitely. All right. So in our previous podcast episode, you talked about uh, making some big business goals for 2020. And now that we're in the middle of the year, what's next? I mean, I know you've hit 5k month. Like, what do you, where do you want to go with this? Yeah. So I would say my next financial goal is 10k a month. Yeah. Definitely my goal. That'd be, that'll be exciting. In terms of where I want to go, like I said, like you, I don't know if we mentioned this, but I only do one-on-one -on -one coaching right now. So you've seen me at times think about, oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. I would say in general, I've been pretty good with not having shiny object syndrome and focusing on one-to-one -one coaching or whatever. But I just really want to, especially as a new RD, just keep going with that and, you know, keep honing my skills as a practitioner. And I just really like one-to-one -one coaching. So I think I want to keep going with that. With time, you know, I'll definitely branch out to other things, but I'm enjoying just, you know, continuing to raise my prices as I hit different percents of my capacity. And yeah, just continue working on that until I hit 10K. I love that. And that focus that you have has gotten you to where you are, has gotten yeah. you from being a student to making your first sale and your internship to being able to grow as a new dietitian into 5K months. I love that you've been focusing on the private coaching because it's helped you hone in on your enrollment process, your actual coaching skills. And then obviously the most important piece is marketing because if you don't market, you don't know how to market, you're not going to get the clients you want. And that's obviously yeah. the main part of our conversation today. So talk to us then about sales skills and how those have evolved and, and what kind of tips you have when it comes to oh, Wow. Yeah. Sales skills have truly evolved, which is like, again, because, you know, we learn nothing about sales in school as RDs. Like maybe we, I had like one business class and I don't even think we talked about sales once in that class. So obviously in the beginning, sales calls, like, I would get super nervous before sales calls. I would feel like a lot of fear before I would get on discovery calls. And now like just I'll break it down. But now I'm excited for them. I have no fear or anxiety around them. Like I have several a week and it's just crazy how much it has changed. So I would say in terms of how I changed that and how I got better with sales, especially like since I've only been doing this for less than a year, 
is just, first of all, just getting on them and practicing them. Like, I sounded like an idiot a lot at first. I would get off them sometimes and be like, oh, that, that sucked. Like, what did I even say? But that was necessary for me to get to where I am now, to now where I feel totally confident during my sales calls and, you know, I can connect with people and take payment on the phone and close the sale on the phone and, and yada, yada. So, yeah, just doing it and, like, being acknowledging that it's normal to feel afraid and feel awkward and nervous at first, but that that is totally necessary. And it doesn't matter if you get 20, 30 no's before you get a yes, like that is just what you need. You just need practice. It's so normal to get no's in the beginning. So that was the most important. And then also really getting critical about my sales call process and then monitoring that and looking critically at it and giving myself feedback on it. So you have to get permission for this, but like I record my sales calls and I ask permission for the person who's on the Zoom call with me and then I'll watch them back after and I'll kind of see, you know, how did I do? And I weigh my giving myself feedback based on my standard operating procedure for sales calls. So I don't know if this is like high level, too high level, but basically what I, this very basic, what I have written out is kind of just how I go about and conduct sales calls. And I have like a standardized process for that. So nothing crazy. And it's not like a script. I just have conversations on on sales calls, but kind of just break it down of, you know, how do I introduce myself? What questions do I ask in the beginning as part of like my small talk with the lead? How do I, you know, set the agenda for the call? And then kind of how do I break that down in the call itself? And that's really the three main things that have helped me a lot to improve with sales. Amazing. And so when it comes to sales calls and the evolution, what's helped you keep a positive mindset? Because in order to conduct sales calls the way that you have, that's what gets you to enroll clients. So if you want to make money, Mm -hmm. you have to do sales calls. But a lot of dietitians are scared and they, they feel if they don't sell one or two, or if they get a couple no's, gosh forbid, five no's, or they yeah. have enough demand, which just means you need to go back to your content. And we already talked about that. So let's assume that you're getting the demand, but you're not closing the sales call. What do you mm-hmm. think will help you keep your mindset so positive in order to keep going, which has helped you get better just by reflecting? Yeah. Well, I would say one, you know, it wasn't always positive. There was many times where I felt like sucks, you know, I'm never going to make a sale, whatever. And I think acknowledging, you know, having support is super helpful. So like if you do have other dietitian friends or you can find, I mean, Libby has built this community so you can easily find other RDs who are doing this and reach out to them and kind of build community that way. Just to know that it is normal because that, that really helped me in the beginning was knowing this is normal. You know, it's normal to get a lot of notes before you get a yes, you're still learning. But now that you're listening to this podcast, you know that as well. So you have to remind yourself of that. I think what helped me to remind myself of that was like repeating mantras. Like I use these with my clients, like mantras and affirmations. So just things like, you know, journaling in the morning, if I'm feeling anxious for some sales calls that I have later in the day, or I didn't close those and I feel anxious later on, just kind of writing quickly down how I'm feeling and then reminding myself of what I know to be true. Like what we talked about on this call, that this is totally normal. This is part of the process. And if I just keep going, I'm bound to eventually make sales and get better at it. Like that's the only way to move forward. So if, even if you just wrote that sentence down and like put it on your desk and you just remember that um, and reflect on that, I think that was a big way that I improved my mindset around sales and, you know, not making sales in the beginning. And then another way was to just look at, continue to look at it as a learning experience and look at the call itself as like a conversation. It's a person that you're talking to. So 
you have to just think about it. Like you're getting to know this person and you're perfecting your skills. And that helped me move forward as well, I would say. Amazing. And out of all of the aspects of the sales call that you framed out that, you know, I obviously support, teach, which one has been the mm-hmm. most difficult for you or just the slowest for you to adapt or maybe hone in on, right? Kind of like how the mm-hmm. piece, the hardest might have been simplification after you got the message. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to sales calls after you have that beautiful setup, which piece has been just that sticking point um, for your business? Yeah. So I would say, you mean like in the sales call itself, like when I'm breaking down the prospect. It was the hardest for you. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the hardest for me was, you know, taking what that person is saying on the call and connecting their pain points and their problems and their goals with my services. So in the beginning, I felt so unclear on how to do that. And not even though I felt like I knew how to do it, it was just so not, there was no flow to me. It felt very awkward. And I just was like, okay, how do I, I don't even remember what they just said. How do I take these problems and like repeat them back? I need to repeat the words that they're saying, but I don't even know how to do that. And, you know, I would take notes on calls as well, but it would just, it didn't feel natural. And that really just came with time. Like I just had to keep trying, keep doing all the things I just said in terms of, you know, having a standard operating procedure for how I go about the calls and then recording, getting feedback. And even before I recorded calls, because I didn't do that in the beginning, I would just take notes and then kind of after the call reflect, how did I, how do I feel I did? So even if they say no, or you can't do that, you can easily just reflect on it. So I would say with that really just continuing to, to do them, I got better, but it was a real struggle for me in the beginning to kind of really use back the words they use to describe their problems and then connect that to what I do and show them that I help them with these problems and achieve that outcome with my services. I've done an incredible job, not only getting the right person on the phone, but creating an environment where they feel comfortable with you and then taking that qualified lead, that person that could be your potential customer and turning them into a client. So you've you've been amazing for every every aspect of, of this from client attraction to being able to enroll and then being able to retain your clients. So it's really, you're really setting a great example for your colleagues. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Really proud of you. Um, so when it comes to time management, you're in your office and I'm seeing your oversized <laughs> sticky note, which we both have. I got one behind me and got one behind her. What techniques do you have or uh, talk a little bit about what some of your struggles have been with getting all the things done and priority mm-hmm. and what's important that's going to lead you to the money? Oh Lord. Well, you know, I think you know the answer to this one. My biggest problem with that, because I'm, I've always been somebody, well, actually not always, but I developed very good time management skills in college in terms of like, you know, being a very obsessive planner, planning out my day to a T, being very like regimented with when I do things and making sure that I allocate all the time I need for every task I need to do. So that's not a problem for me. And I think most like type A women, most dietitians are, that's not a problem for them either. But I think a problem that we do have and that I definitely have was just doing all this stuff that really doesn't really matter or prioritizing the wrong things. So when I say the wrong things, I mean prioritizing the things that aren't really directly making you money and impacting your business. So that was my biggest problem was really learning how to identify what are my, my direct revenue generating activities because this is a business that I'm running. So like that's what you have to focus on in a business and what is, you know, less than that. So what's the most urgent revenue generating? What's the important task? Then what are the things that I can do later 
or maybe I don't even need to do it all, or maybe I can delegate out to somebody else. That was a game changer for me. And that's why I got these, you know, if you follow Libby, you've seen, you've seen these on her Instagram stories, but these big oversized post-it note thingies, I just write down every day, literally color code. What are my revenue generating, direct revenue generating activities or tasks, which is, you know, sales calls, getting on calls with clients, any other things that make me money. And then what are my important tasks? What do I do later? And then really just mapping that out for my next day and making sure most of my day is focusing on and prioritizing those revenue generating tasks. That's a game changer. Yeah, I'll tell you so. And what helps you identify and stay focused with urgent tasks? Because many, 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 many of us are not clear with what Elena just said. So I want you to go back and listen to this. Yeah, I think you just really need to keep yourself in check. So like, if I don't keep myself in check on a daily basis, honestly, I will veer off path and be like, oh no, but this is important, but I need to do this. And it's like, no, you don't need to do it. And by, by making yourself think you need to do everything, you're really just, you're really just doing nothing. You're just stressing yourself out and, you know, wasting your time and not doing the things that are really going to make you money, which again, this is a business. So we need to focus on that. So what keeps me in check is like I said, right now, because this is a recent thing that I'm, I'm getting better with this even recently, it's every single night I do that. Before I go to sleep, after I'm done work, I just write out, okay, what do I need to do tomorrow? And then I figure out what is directly making me money, what is like indirectly making me money, still important. And then I make sure that I'm, you know, doing those most important things first and prioritizing them for the next day. And I do the same thing the next day and just really keep myself in check. Cause if I don't do that, I will definitely veer off path. <laughs> yeah. So the accountability of talking about it, writing it down and then viewing that the correct tasks are in the correct quadrant, right? Mm-hmm. Helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then checking it off as I go and yeah, just constantly keeping myself in check with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a great practice. Wonderful. So can you talk a little bit about your offer and how your offer has progressed? I know you mentioned, which I love, that you're focusing on coaching. You love coaching. You're getting mm-hmm. you know, a master. You're becoming a master at one thing before you move on to other things. How has that offer of coaching progressed since, let's say, three months ago or six months ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was really helpful for me, too progressing with my offer. So what I started with was a three session bundle. So a bundle of, you know, three one-to-one sessions, people could, could book those within 45 days of purchase. And there was no like in-between session support or anything. It was just the raw three sessions. And you know, it's not like this was not, and I've heard this from other dietitians too. It's not like this was ideal for, obviously I'd prefer to have, you know, monthly coaching and, you know, checking in with clients and that's going to get everybody the best results and whatever. But that was helpful in the beginning because one, it helped me sell more bundles and also to get more confident and hone in on my skills um, and also get more confident with just speaking about the offer on sales calls and talking about my price and talking about, you know, what I can offer them. So that was really, really helpful. And you can always, the person can always renew with you. So I've heard other dietitians say like, oh, but three sessions is not enough to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish. It's not enough for my clients either and the people I work with. But most people who are in bundles renewed with me. I still have some clients who are continuing to renew with me from that. So remember that. So I started with the three session bundle. And then once I hit a certain percent of my, you know, capacity, which is just, you know, the amount of clients I can see per week based on my current schedule, then I amped up to increasing the price of that bundle. And then I hit another, 
percent of my capacity goal and I increased to a five session bundle. And then once I was, you know, at that point I started to grow a lot faster. So I bumped up from a five session bundle to a three month package. And now I'm selling the three month packages, which is like my ideal offer for me, um, which is amazing. And I, I'm loving doing that. I've sold a lot of those. And then at a certain point, I'm going to increase the price of those and then keep going with that as I hit more and more, more of my goals. Amazing. And so following that offer progression path, which I recommend and teach, is that helped you with confidence to sell more? So even though the three session bundle, it's not ideal long term, it's a training wheel, right? Yeah. So you do it so that you can get out there and sell it and give a quick win. And then, you know, either they continue or you progress them to a, a package when you're offering yeah. that based on your, it's really with demand. When your demand mm -hmm. increases, your offer progresses. And how has following that helped you? Do you think that's helped you hit 5K faster? Or do you think that's been helpful? Oh, absolutely. Really beneficial for your clients as well? Yes. So on many different levels. So first of all, it helped me, like I said, with confidence on my sales calls, just in terms of getting comfortable saying, you know, this is my price. This is what I offer. And then getting comfortable with that and then bumping it up. It's always a little bit trick. It's a little bit harder once you start have to say start having to say a higher price or a higher you know higher touch higher commitment package. But then you get comfortable with that, and then you level up again, and it's just this constant evolution. So that was really helpful. I would say another really helpful thing was just for mindset because you know as you start to get and actually so many different ways. So for mindset, as you start to get more yeses, obviously that helps build you build momentum for you, and it gives you more you know, momentum to keep going forward. So that was really important for me too. It was the mindset piece. And then also for clients. So one, it's helping people who need my help, you know, work with me because my sales skills weren't the best at that point to be offering a higher touch package, but I can still really help these people. So now I have these people that I'm working with, helping them progress to their goals. And then a fourth way that that helps is starting to get those wins and social proof to share on my Instagram and share testimonials, which then attracts more people to work with me and then kind of gets the ball rolling with that and, and helps me to continue to hit my income goals. So that, I think on all those levels, it was really, really helpful. Incredible, Lena. Thank you for sharing your story and giving examples and inspiring you know, the listeners. So a couple questions to uh, wrap up our conversation. Firstly, what advice do you have for someone starting out or specifically for a dietetic intern or a, you know, RD to be boss, RD to be mm -hmm. hasn't yet taken her exam or a dietitian who maybe has a few months experience and she feels too young, too inexperienced, not ready, too insecure. And I know we've kind of talked about this throughout the entire mm -hmm. episode. Let's just wrap it up in a bow for them. Yeah. So I would say don't listen to your preceptors <laughs> unless they're a really awesome preceptor and they're not like crotchety and like thinking clinical is the only way to be a dietitian but that was all my preceptors like if I had told anybody when I was going through my internship that I was going to do this they'd be like oh you're irresponsible oh all these young dietitians think they can be in private practice you need two years of clinical so just don't listen to them like I even had people telling me that before I told them that I wanted to be in private practice just people wow. saying oh all these young dietitians think they're going to be in private practice that doesn't work well look at me now, <laughs> get all these other dietitians <laughs> that are doing it. I think there's, it's just crazy how different the world can be in terms of like people's perspectives on all these things. So I would say, don't listen to the negativity. If that's how you might, you might, you might have a very progressive internship and that's cool. But um, if that's the case, 
try to, like I said, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, Libby has built a community around this. So surround yourself with that positive support and know that you can do it. You know, I'm not the only person that Libby's had on her podcast who's doing this. So listen to our stories, reach out to me. Um, I'm happy to help. I would just say, yeah, really just don't listen to the, the people that are just spewing their own limiting beliefs on you or their own like whatever regrets onto you. Yeah. And it's so, it's so deep, right? Because we already feel insecure. We feel like we need more experience. And then we're told, you know, 60% of us identify as clinicians, dietitians, according to the nutrition and dietetics compensation guide. So it makes sense that there's this gap. And I think it's important we're having this conversation because even though you're hearing Elena, I want you to really hear Elena. I want you to listen and know that you are, if you are, you know, are younger, you're not the only one and you can be successful. And if you're older, it's not too late. And there's no excuse mm-hmm. that you can't get out there and make the money you deserve and help people. Because if you do not focus on visibility, you're going to have a really hard time getting clients and building a foundation. Because quick wins and cold calling and all that stuff doesn't stick. But really solving problems with your content does. And Elena's done a great job at that. So thank you for sharing your story and inspiring all of us, students, interns, and, and you know those of us with 10, 20, 30 years experience. Yeah, I'm very happy to do it. And thank you. And I just want to say one thing about that too, with being young, like that's, a, that's still something I feel insecure about sometimes, like how you talked about people dietitians feel too young, too old. That was something that really was like one of my limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome that I still have, and I still have to work through. So I would say just know that if you feel like you're too young to do this, or that's one of your limiting beliefs, know that it's normal. And then also know that other dietitians like me are doing this. So if I can do it, I'm no different than you. And just keep telling yourself, if this person can do it, I can do it too. It's same thing with COVID and thinking that like, I can't make money in a, and help people during this pandemic. Like, no, tons of other people are doing it. So that means that you can do it too. And if you just keep reminding yourself of that daily and take the next little step forward, then you'll get places. I love that. Thank you, Elena. And the last question I have is, where can we expect you to be at 30? Oh, 30. Oh my gosh. At the rate I'm going, you don't even know what's going to happen at 30. Yeah. Uh, I would say my goals are, I mean, I don't know. Have you thought about that? What do you want to contribute? Um, you know, your Well, yeah. What I want to contribute, I really want to change the whole fitness space in terms of how women in fitness view their bodies and approach food and just like the lack of transparency of how people show themselves on Instagram and, and how things actually are behind the scenes. So I think I want to change that a lot. Um, that's like my biggest mission is to kind of just change what the definition of fitness and health means to women. Um, so that's, that's in terms of impact for sure. That's a big thing for me. Um, and just, especially with binge eating in the fitness space, I just want to reach as many women as I can who are struggling with binge eating. Cause I know how much it really, really sucks. So that's my big goal in terms of impact, in terms of Income, I mean, the end, the opportunities are endless. So I don't really have like a cap on how much income I want to make. I think I just want to keep on growing. And yeah. Next, next goal is 10K. And then we'll, you know, have a conversation, go from there and, and see mm-hmm. where I go. And it's uh, great role modeling. So if you could just remind everybody where to find you on Instagram and then we will wrap up. Yeah. So at weight.lifting.nutritionist is where you can find me on Instagram. And I'd love to chat with you. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. 
My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.